Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. Reflections from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a family ministry of Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us as we break open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for this Sunday's Mass, as we invite the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers to inspire us today. And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Ruth Joka, Cameron Norris, Rob Longo, and Tom DeAngelis. Welcome one and all. Thank Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 38 through 48. But before we break open the bread of life, Tom, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into hearts just so that we can hear what we're to hear, see what we're to see, and be the world changers God's called us to be? I'd be happy to. Uh, this is a prayer that I ran across a couple weeks ago from uh, that was written by St. Augustine. So it's, you know, what, 1,400, 1,500 years old. And it's to the Holy Spirit, so I think it's appropriate. It begins, breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work may too be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. 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 Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. And Cameron, do you mind giving us a little gospel love today? I would love to. As he said, we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 48. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes the sun rise on the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I heard one time at a scripture group that uh, the man said, oh, nobody can be perfect. He said, that, that, that's just, you know, it's not the correct way this, this should be interpreted. Well, no, this is the Lord speaking. This is his word, which is infallible. So be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, that perfection is an invitation, and an invitation to be, become one with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So for me, ladies and gentlemen, it's a daily surrender 
to the Lord at work in my life. It's an invitation to the Lord to live in me, through me, and with me. I love it when I receive the Eucharist each day that I go to Mass, at daily Mass, because I say this prayer, Lord Jesus, I invite you to impregnate me with your divinity, course through my body, and purge from me anything that is not of you. So in order to achieve this perfection, which is an absolute requirement to enter heaven because the book of Revelation tells us clearly nothing unclean shall enter heaven. We don't put on a cloak of Christ and go into heaven sneaking in with all of our hidden sins. No, 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 no. Christ's blood in the creation of the new heart within us pumps through our body physically and spiritually, eradicating and purging anything that is not of him. So for me, this purgation process we go through, this perfecting of our human nature into the divine is a daily journey and a daily choice. So I love the word purgation because what that means is that it is a purgation of anything within us that is not of Christ, a purging, and then perfecting anything in us that is not so that we can be truly perfected as precious sons and daughters of the Father into the image and likeness of Christ, so that we too, like St. Paul can say, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So the Christ that lives in us uh, loves his enemies, and he prays for those who persecuted him, right? Because if he didn't, he wouldn't ask us to do the same. So when I look at that, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, the word that jumped out of me in the, just in that little section of the sentence is the word end. So I would always think the, the most loving thing we can do is, is to pray for our enemies and those who persecute us. What, what do you think he's talking about here when he says end? So it's not like love your enemies and, your, and those who persecute you by praying, but love your enemies and pray. So like what, what else do you think he's calling us to? Any, any ideas? Well, I think the key for me is when when the Lord says love your enemies is to recognize that all 7.8 billion human beings in this world were created by God, who knitted the body within the womb of the mother, who attached the soul to the body. They are all his precious sons and daughter. So it's looking through the enemies in our lives to the precious son and the precious daughter the way God created them in his image and likeness from the beginning. No matter where they're at in their earthly journeys, God wants to use us as invitations to the eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So for me, this love your enemy is looking past and through the sin of that person's life who's coming against you, who's launching the arrows. Look through and see the precious son and daughter. And then when you see the precious son and daughter, that's when you pray. You pray for this precious son and the precious daughter. There are two actions. Do you follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's the looking past and through the sin to see the precious son and daughter. And then when you see and recognize them in the person who would be considered your enemy, now you do the greatest act of love of all and you pray for them. Well, and when you say in the image and likeness of God, you know, God is love. 
and we choose love, which is God. Um, so we're when it says, you know, we're offer no resistance to one who is evil. Um, he'll fight the battle on our behalf. We love our enemies because then we step back and let him. Evil is God's battle. So this is where he's taking this battle on, and we're stepping back and letting God take this battle. But, you know, we're showing the image and likeness of God, which is love, and we're loving that person and, and you know, praying for him, absolutely. And as Catholic Christians and all Christians, we're called to love all. We're called to be an inclusive Faith belief. The buzzword of the day is, oh, be inclusive, be inclusive. Well, the Catholic Church says, and the Christianity says, well, Jesus Christ was inclusive of all, but not of their actions. You see, we can have compassion and love our enemies, but without compromise. Compromising our faith is not love. It's actually the opposite, because it's endangering that person's soul. It's, it's saying it's okay. We can disagree with their choices, but we're still called to love them. And so for me, inclusive, the word that's thrown out there all over, Christianity, Catholic Christianity, all of Christendom is called to be inclusive of all, recognizing and seeing the precious son and daughter of the Father in all 7.8 billion human beings having compassion for them, but without compromise to the one truth we have in this world, the Word of God, the Holy Bible, that he's entrusted to humanity, our blueprint, our GPS, God's plan for salvation, on how to get home. I think for me, one of the most challenging parts of this gospel, and really the whole gospel, is um, you know where Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? You know, if you if you greet only your brothers, what's unusual about that? And then he goes on to say, "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect." And to your point, David, I I don't I don't think we'll ever be perfect. And I remember years ago, you know, Vince Lombardi used to give this talk at you know to to business leaders to people, and he always say. The quality of any man's life is, and back then he was talking to men, so excuse the reference, just to men, is is a commitment, is his full commitment to excellence and to victory, whatever field he may be in. Even though we know ultimate victory will never be won, still we must keep we must keep going toward you know toward that. And the point is not that we that we achieve it in life, but that that we're moving in that direction and that God sees our heart because there's always a process of, as you said before, David, purgation, but then we get to the point where there's, there's in the spiritual life, there's illumination and then there's unity. You know, that when we, when we are clean enough, we can see. When we can see deeply enough, then we can become one with God. And that's not something that happens for anybody completely and fully in life. But it is something that we should be moving toward. And I think being perfect and recognizing that what you already do naturally, that's not enough. You know, I, like I already love my family, my kids, my, my, you know, my brothers and sisters, the people that I'm close to, my friends, but that's not good enough. You know, what about those people who 
You don't know who, who have offended you, who have, who have wronged you or hurt you in some way. What about those people who are your brothers, but you don't greet them? You know, the person in the convenience store that you don't know, but drop something and you help them pick it up and have a good day. You know, that's the kind of thing that I think that's challenging for most of us. And it's not so much that I do anything to people that would harm them. It's that I don't reach out to them. I don't even take the initiative to, to go. I just keep to myself. And I think that's what we're being called out of, you know, that kind of cocoon that we keep ourselves in. We're supposed to be set apart from the world. So we're also supposed to transform the world. So to be set apart from the world, we're supposed to be different. We're not supposed to do the same things that the world's doing. We're, if somebody wants to get deliverance from... Um, alcoholism. Are they going to look to somebody who gets drunk during the week and then goes to church on Sunday? Or are they going to look for advice from somebody and say, how are you free from this? Because I, I, I can't have that sense of freedom. So we are supposed to be set apart from the world, but we also can't transform the world if we're not shining our light to the world. Last week, we talked about being the salt and the light to the world. Um, I'm just thinking about this. If the world's getting darker and the church is getting brighter, does that mean we're putting a basket over our light? And I don't want to live in a basket. I want to shine my light to the world. I want to be a part of that, and I want to be set apart. So it says even the world, they love those who love them. Well, that's pretty easy to do. They greet their brothers only. Well, of course, you greet your brothers only. But we're supposed to greet our enemies as our brothers. We're supposed to give the invitation. And by doing that, in Psalms it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. What do we taste and see? Salt and light. If, if they're going to taste and see the Father, that's going to be us being the salt and light to the world and them seeing there's something different about you. Do you know that person that you just uh, volunteered for or gave something to or did something nice for their family? Do you know that's a person that talks about you bad? Do you know that that's a person that hates you? That, do you know that's a person that plans to destroy you? The world, the world would never respond to them through the eyes of the Father, through the eyes of love, but we're, we are called to do that. And when they see us do those good works, they're going to say, whoa, how do you not live in this bondage that I can't get out of every day? When I, when I have an inkling that somebody is thinking ill of me, I do everything in my power to make sure I push them as far down as I possibly can. When we're supposed to look at a person through the eyes of the Father, and that's not our natural eyes, that is, that person is called to greatness. And I'll just... I'll just jump to the last line in this. That person is called to perfection. That person is called to represent the Father on earth, and, and the Heavenly Father is perfect. Are we looking at that person as, you know what, get all your stuff together, then come to me, then I'll talk with you, then I'll accept you, then I'll hug you, then I'll love on you, then I'll give you my coat? Or are we saying, I already know what's in your destiny? 
your destiny is perfection in the Father, and that's the person I'm going to speak to. That's the person I'm going to, whatever actions, whatever money, whatever influence, whatever good things I could set up for them, are we looking at that person, not just ourselves, as a perfect child of the King? Mm-hmm. You know, the other sentence that jumped out at me is this one, because it's been used against me. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on the one who wants to borrow. And I've had people actually come and ask for financial help, and then say to me, when I've said no because of the discernment of the Holy Spirit, you know, well, you went against the Bible. You, you, you were supposed to give me the money. But what the Lord really opened up to me is this. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on the one who wants to borrow. So when someone comes to me and wants me to help them, same as the Lord, same as the Father does, I want to discern the heart. I open with a prayer. I invite the Holy Spirit in. And then I wanted to understand and discern the heart. Because what the last thing I want to do is be an enabler mm-hmm. to someone to continue a pattern that's not a healthy pattern, that just gets them a get-out-of-jail-free card, and they've used Scripture twisted because what I offer them when I meet with them is the gift of my time. I didn't turn my back on them. I offer the most greatest gift I can give them, which is Scripture that helps them to get set free, helps to put them on the right track. I had a man very difficult situation with a man, you know, he, he got angry at me. I mean, mad at me and he could have twisted me into a pretzel. He was that strong and big, you know, because I wouldn't help him out and give him money. But like a year later, he was at a big church and he was an usher there and he came over to me. And he said, thank you. Thank you for standing strong and giving me really what I needed. It wasn't the money. That's beautiful. It was the counsel. Another couple came on Christmas Eve and needed money to save their business. Their, their, and it was a beautiful cry of the heart. And I helped them. And it was quite a lot. It was substantial. I helped them. And I always say this, when I give it, it's given as a gift. And I said, if you want to return it, give it and pass it on to another charity. Well, a year later, <laughs> on Christmas Eve, they came back again. He did. Need money again. And I said, and then, you know, ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And said no. I said, you were given an opportunity. Did you correct these things? Did you do these steps? Well, no, well, no, well, no. And it's fascinating because another year later went by and the man actually came and thanked me. He said his pastor told him the same thing, the no. He said, and it's what he needed to make the corrective steps in his business to get his business to be profitable where it needed to be. So again, every situation is different. But don't let anyone use scripture against you always, because here it is. It's right here. You have heard it was said. You have heard it was said. It's here in the scriptures twice. Be a Berean and test everything that's said to you against the full word of God and ask the Holy Spirit, what is the gift you want to give this person? Is it prayer? Is it counsel? Is it the gift of my time? Or is it truly, and many times it is, a financial gift? But it's a financial gift that also then you inspect and expect the wisdom you've given them, the counsel you've given them to help them to grow. We have lots of success stories, my wife and I. And we've have, we have a good number of ones that just used us. Mm. But that's okay. That's what happens with God. And I don't want to skip over. You said 
you invited the Holy Spirit before the counseling took right. place. Sometimes the answer the first time is no. Sometimes the answer the first time is yes. And the same with the second and the same with the third. I think sometimes for me, sometimes I'll get caught up on what did the Lord say the last time? Okay, well, that was for that time. And, and it might have been okay. It might have been the right thing for the Holy Spirit to say the second time is a yes or the third time is a yes. And I think it's not something to pass by inviting the Holy Spirit every time. What do we do in this specific situation? Not what happened in the past, not where, do, where does my flesh see this going, but Holy Spirit, what do you have planned for this time right now? And for all these events, Cameron, it's not just about that person. It's about our growth and our edification. Definitely. Because for me, what the Lord revealed to me, which blew me away, is I operate out of the heart, which is beautiful. I want to help everybody. I want to give. But the Lord said, hello, David. I gave you another gift, too. It's called your mind. <laughs> and so it's, it created me a new heart, O oh Lord, and renew my mind with the mind yeah. of Christ. So to give a gift and not educate with the wisdom of God is an incorrect giving. Yeah. You've, it's not either or, it's both and. So what I do now is, if I'm going to give a gift, I also ask the Holy Spirit to give me the wisdom and counsel to offer them in corrective steps to get them to get to the healthy place. And then every quarter, I inspect what I expect to keep them and see, are you following through? And if they're not following through, I'm out. I'm out. Why? Because they're choosing not to do their part, to be proactive in God's work. You know, Cameron, when you were talking about the last part saying, <laughs> be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And then we read all this above, you know, this is a hard one. Um, but then it strikes me, be perfect as your Father is perfect. When Christ came, it, it always reminds me that, you know, while we were his enemies, and we're looking forward to what he, you know, to the whole Lent and Easter, but while we were his enemies, and that he's given us marching orders for everything that he did, and he wants us to do the same. So it's it's almost the, this is this is where we are. We are to love. We are to pray. We are to all these hard things. And call the Father, and we are perfect. We He perfects us through His ways. And the people He was talking to, enemies, sometimes we could think of our enemies as like another parent at the school who their kid— I mean, <laughs> He's talking to people who are face-to-face -face with people that are ready to cut their heads off. I mean, he's talking about real enemies. Like ready to crucify you. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's literally. real. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. He's, he says, love him and pray for him. And he did. It's yeah. remarkable. Yeah. And he desired the greatest, the greatest good, which is their salvation. Mm -hmm. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Right. And I remember one time I was in a nursing home and this uh, volunteer was there and uh, and she shared with all the residents that we were ministering to, and uh, and she said I stopped asking the question why me and I started asking the question why not me. Wow! And she said it's been total total freedom that mm -hmm. like why not like you know so this this and this is happening or has happened yeah or might happen you know why not me? That that's really mm -hmm. an insight because um, 
I know I've I've read, but some of the you know the saints and the mystics about that transformation from the purgative stage to the illuminative stage, and one of them is to stop looking at the world and things in life like you're being punished, and get to the point where you don't intentionally do anything to offend God, but there's still things that need to be purged, as you point out, David. Um, but but then the illuminative stage is where you can start to see those things. They're not things that that I do intentionally that I know, like you know, like you get angry at somebody and you fly off the handle. But when those things obviously we know are wrong. And those things we we confess. But those things that we do, they're kind of like when you say something to somebody and you don't realize till after that somebody tells you, "Did you realize what you know how you offended that person?" And then you go back and apologize. It's more those kinds of things, like they're blind spots that we have. That's where the illuminative stage helps us to get, mm-hmm. and that's a transition between what? Why am I being punished for this? Versus what can I do to be better? What Tom, can I do to make this situation you know, better? You're, you're an athlete and a coach, right? Like, how much suffering did you put your body through at football camp? <laughs> yeah. Or you allowed right. your athletes yeah. to, to get, why? To, to, be, to get better. So we're, we allow our, we're, we're okay with our bodies going through pain. Intellectually, we go through pain to, you know, to excel in school. And financially, we try different things. We, like, you know, like Milton Hershey went bankrupt a couple of times before mm-hmm. he hit it. Yeah. But when it comes to our spiritual life, it's like we want to, you know, we want, we want easy street. Right, so uh, you know, let's uh, let's 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 embrace it. Like Jesus embraced His cross. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out something that Dave reminded me of recently. Um, so this time of year, we're having State of the Union addresses, and if you turn on the news, politics is in the news. Whichever side of the aisle you're on, love your enemies, pray for your enemies. If you if you have an understanding or an idea or an inkling that somebody there is your enemy on the other side of the aisle, understand what the scripture is calling us to do for that person. Lift them up in prayer. Love them. See them through the eyes of the Father, yep. what they were created for. Yep. And the other sentence that jumped out at me, whew, which really is a struggle to me, and I actually just asked the Holy Spirit to help me to see this clearly, it says, but I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. Does that mean we just give in, cave, whatever they want to do? No, 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 no. The resistance is the resistance to love them. Don't take up an offense. God's calling us to love all, the people. But when we have that temptation to resist loving them, we've taken the bait of Satan. We've taken up an offense. And we cannot love when that root of bitterness starts growing in our hearts. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's be light and salt to the world. Let's be that image of Christ in the world and be the world changer He created us to be. God bless each and every one of you. Have a great week. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship a mission of faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717 367 
1-800-242-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.